Do you have an unexpected story to tell or know someone who does? We'd love to have you on the pod. Please apply at please don't tell anyone pod at gmail.com or follow our application link in bio of our Instagram, please don't tell anyone pod or TikTok account. I got involved in this other ministry that people had like recommended me to basically. And this is where it gets crazy. This is like the craziest, craziest cult stuff ever. Hey, and thanks for coming back to Please Don't Tell Anyone. I'm Molly Clark, your host, and this is the podcast where you hear unexpected stories by ordinary people. I go and blind to all my interviews so that I can hear the story firsthand just like you. Please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell. Please don't tell anyone. Don't tell. I said, please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell. When I was in sixth grade, my entire family, parentheses, me and my three sisters and my mom, who was a teacher, was kicked out of a Christian private school to avoid being outed about all the messed up shit they were doing. Some smaller stories in that include a teacher who was sent to jail for inappropriate relationships with female students, nepotism to the max, lies, etc., I also just have some really interesting religious stories to tell from growing up in a Christian home and being sucked into the college culture Christian community. There's a lot to unpack there. Oh, yeah. But (laughs) I didn't really grow up with any religion, but TikTok is what has made me really aware of Mm. this Christian upbringing and especially like BYU, which I find fascinating, that whole thing. So why don't you... Just tell us how you grew up and what that family structure was. And when you say Christian, what that meant to your family. Yeah. Okay. Christian to my family means basically everyone in my family, I'm kind of stepping back now at this point in my life, are pretty hardcore religious Christians, Christians in like the Protestant church. So not like Mormon or Catholic. So that's like non-denominational and all of the other kind of sects underneath that. I was raised Christian and most everyone in my family is are still believers and practicing and it was a really big part of our life. I grew up in church, um, went to Christian private schools. I was always in like Sunday Bible school. All of our friends were Christian. It was like a huge part of of my life and um, my family's life. I was basically like my whole identity and is still most of my family's whole identity. So yeah, I hope that answered that question. Me yeah, I mean, just expand. just off the bat, are you, I take it from everything you're saying, you're not still as a devout Christian? No. What are your religious views now? Um, That's something that I'm trying to rebuild right now. Yeah. I've just had so much hurt, and I've had so many people that I love have so much hurt um, that it's been really hard for me since maybe, like, 2016. But mm-hmm. recently, in, like, the last two-ish years or so, to reconcile like things that I've been taught and the way that people I love have been hurt by those things. Um, So I'm kind of in my questioning era. Yeah, I see like the way that it's helped people and it's helped me even in my life, but there's just a lot that I disagree with and been through like a big phase recently of like learning that your parents aren't always right. (laughs) And that's that's literally the hardest thing that you learn. In your early 20s. So getting to the Christian school that you went to, 
the line of my three sisters and my mom, who was a teacher, was kicked out of a Christian private school to avoid being outed about all the messed up shit they were doing. Okay, let's break that down. So, yeah. Why were you guys kicked out? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> and I continue to ask. Um, yeah, so when we moved to Austin in fourth grade, my fourth grade year, we, my parents decided to send me and my sisters to a private school. Um, and it was a Christian private school in Austin. It's really big. It's still really big. It was smaller than we, when we went there. My mom was a teacher at the time, and so she got a job teaching for them. And um, when you, we went there as students before my mom started teaching, so it was about two years that I was there as a student before my mom taught. And there's just like things that you, when you just send your kids to a school and then when you become like an employee of a school, there's just things that you learn that you like would have never known. Yeah, that makes um, a lot of sense. When you were just sending your kids there. And so when my mom started teaching, she just started to like notice some really fishy things going on in the leadership. There's like basically the entire school was run by like two families. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like the husband was an employee or the wife was an employee of the husband. And it was like these two, three families and they were like board members, but also like principals and teachers. And it was just like, just those family members. Um, and so that was like kind of the first, that's like just kind of weird. It was like a very weird thing, but some other things started coming out. And even like now that I'm 22, I'm like still not even privy to all the details, just like the ones that specifically like really affected me and my sisters. Um, one of the big ones was when I was in fifth grade, I had a math teacher who was in his like mid to late 20s and his wife was actually my English teacher. So they both taught at that school and the math teacher was caught having really inappropriate sexual relationships with the daughter of one of the board members of the school. Okay. Um, they were like caught at a football game under the bleachers. Like it was a big deal. It was like, Oh my God, they didn't bad. even, they were hiding yeah. in plain sight. It was bad. And there were a lot of attempts made by leadership in the school to cover it up. Basically. I don't know if they would have done that if it wasn't a, mem a daughter of one of the board members. Was she underage? Yeah. Yeah. She was like a sophomore in high school. Got it. Yeah. So did he um, get, um, did he get kicked out or how did that play oh, out? Oh, yeah. So he was like immediately fired. Um, he and his wife are not divorced. He went to jail eventually. I learned recently in the last couple of years actually that there was a prayer group started at the school where moms would get together and pray over him and like sent him hot meals in prison. <laughs> this is like something new that I even discovered recently. And it was just, it was so embarrassing for the school leadership for obvious reasons you're supposed to be this like very pure perfect school that teaches like really strict christian morals and to have someone that one of your employees be doing this to a literal 15 year old yeah that's really embarrassing like yeah. really embarrassing and so as i grew up i have had conversations with my parents you know looking back like wow i can't believe that happened i remember one year i asked my parents like hey did you guys ever did i ever like did he ever do anything inappropriate to like me? Like, did he ever say anything? I didn't remember like anything physically ever happening to me, mm -hmm. but so much of that was just blocked out. And my parents were like, oh yeah, like he said some really weird, really inappropriate things. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? And 
they were like telling me stories of like things that I had told them that I just didn't even remember. And like it was what? stuff like um, he would come to class and he would like bribe us with like treats and like special outings with him if we like got 100s on tests and was always like complimenting us about really weird things like telling us our hair was really beautiful that day or like shit like that that is just like for fifth graders like very yeah. appropriate. Yeah, was your mom was... planning to out the school? Okay yeah so my mom started like learning all of these things and her and my dad I really admire my mom for what she did in this situation I'm so proud of her to this day she basically was like all of this stuff is going on and it's really bad and it's going to send the school downhill like the school Mm -hmm. is going to crash and burn if this shit continues so she and my dad kind of like gathered a group of people to like um talk to and see you know what they thought about the situation what Mm -hmm. they thought they should do and they kind of got counsel about it and they were like hey you should approach the board and bring them your concerns and just see what they say basically and so my parents did they brought them their concerns and the way they responded was if you tell anyone about this we're gonna fire you to my mom because my mom was a kindergarten teacher at the time and um parents were like oh that's that's not really the response that we run wanted um or was this school affiliated with a church no it was just a christian-based school but without a church okay yeah um and they my parents were you know obviously taken back and so they kind of went back to their group of people that were counseling them on what to do and there was someone in that group of people that was not I guess loyal is the right word to my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And she went back to the board of the school and told them. And so they fired my mom. And then they issued another threat, which was me. And then I had one one older sister and two younger sisters. And their next threat was, we're going to kick you guys out if you do anything with this information. Mm -hmm. And my parents being really awesome, wise people that they are, um, were like, oh, we need to do some mediation something to figure this all out and as they continued to attempt to basically make peace with the leadership and try Uh to fix the problems that were going on in the school they got upset again and one day it was a week before my spring break my sixth grade year so like in March of sixth grade I one of the staff members of the school came into my classroom and she was like your mom's at the front office pack up all your things packed up all my things. My mom put me and my sisters in the car and she looked back at us in the rear window and she was like, you're never coming back here again. And Mm -hmm. that was it. And I never stepped foot back at that school ever again. Did you guys Um, um, lose your friends from that school? Yeah. So I, when I left that school, I not only ever stepped foot in that building again, but I also never spoke to any of my friends again. So Mm -hmm. We had actually moved from Houston to Austin for that school. My parents were really excited about it, had heard about it, and really wanted to send me and my sisters to it. And so those were the only people I had ever known for the last two and a half years of my life living in Austin. And when we got kicked out, it was, I lost all of them. I don't speak to them anymore. It was super hard. Um, The church that I grew up in, a lot of people from that school went to that church. Mm -hmm. And so we would go to church every Sunday and I would just see them and they would never speak to us. Um, There were a lot of things that happened after we got kicked out of school. There was a really nasty email sent about my family to the entire school in which the board members told everyone in the school that we had left 
left the school, which is not what happened. And they said in the email that we had like differences in beliefs. And so the folk arts decided to leave. It was a small enough school that like they could send an email like that and everyone would know like Mm -hmm. who they were talking about and what they were talking about. So they just like sent this email slandering us saying that we like had these differences of belief and like really clashed with the school and spreading false information about the school. And so, although my friends at the time, obviously they were too young to understand what was happening, it was the parents that pulled their kids away from us. And so, yeah, I do not have anyone from that school that I still speak to. And the second part of your submission, that you have some really interesting stories to tell from growing up in a religious home and being sucked into college culture, Christian community. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us some of that? I wish I had worded it differently now that you read that. I'm like, that sounds really confusing. I should have worded that differently. But yeah, it's kind of, most of the stories are more from probably the last four years that I've been in college or so. So when I went to college, I kind of had this like renewal of faith, I guess is what you'd call it. When I went to college and looked back on my high school years, I would have said like in high school, I I was Christian, but my faith belonged to my parents in the sense mm. that, like, I just, like, believed what what they taught. And not that what they were teaching was necessarily, like, wrong or evil, mm-hmm. but I just, like, didn't really own um, any of the things that I said to other people that I believed. Yeah. Which is pretty common. I was going to say, that's pretty that's normal. a pretty common thing. A kid growing yeah. up, yeah. And so I went to college in, um, in a city a couple hours away from home. And experienced something super traumatic my freshman year of college and found community in a Christian organization and connected with some people who were there for me in like a very, very hard time. And that's something I look back on and I'm super grateful for. And that's why I feel like I'm in a unique position to see like the way that Christianity has like really helped people and Mm. served people well, but also in the way that it's hurt people. I found this Christian community and they were super supportive and loving and helped me through some really hard stuff that I was dealing with. And um, as my freshman year ended, my freshman year was 20 or second semester of my freshman year was 2020. So I'm a COVID college kid. Uh I left my dorm in the middle of my spring semester of freshman year and never came back. Um, So it was an interesting time for everyone. COVID was interesting for everyone to everyone was doing a lot of self-reflecting and my self-reflecting included included deciding to transfer colleges and so I loved this community that I had made and valued the things that I had been taught and like really deeply believed the things that I had been taught in this Christian organization that I was a part of and so I was sad to leave them but there were also just some things I didn't like about the school and the town that I was living in and so I decided to transfer schools and then started going to a school that's closer to Austin, closer to my family. And immediately I was like, hey, I was super impacted by this Christian organization my freshman year. I want to get involved in another one. And so I just like dove headfirst. I tried like every Christian ministry you could possibly think of. I don't know if you know anything about like big ministries. I don't know if you've heard of like Young Life. That's a Mm -hmm. huge one. Stuff like that I was like trying to get involved in. And kind of got connected into this one ministry, um, but wasn't like super connected. And I started to notice some like kind of fishy things going on. People were saying some weird things to me. Um, Their form of 
um, evangelism. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's just like sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. I just like didn't really agree with it. Was what were really some things that they were saying to you? Yeah. So there was like some leadership that had made a bunch of inappropriate comments to me one time about like my job and how much money I made. I'm in a really unique and super privileged position where my family owns a business that I run. And so that's like super abnormal for a college kid. And he heard about it and he was like, how much money do you make? And I was like, oh, that's like not any of your business. And I like didn't respond. And he was like, is it lucrative? In a group full of 20 people. And I was like, oh, like, I'm not comfortable answering that question. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really privileged. Like, that's all I'm going to say. Like, I'm able to pay for college with this money, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to answer your question. And so that was like one of the first fishy things that happened. And then I got involved in what they call small groups. And this ministry is really big about converting people to Christianity. And I had kind of like, from the ministry I was involved in my freshman year, had gotten super excited about it, had seen the way, you know, it impacted my faith. And I was like, oh, I, I love this idea of like, converting other people to Christianity like it really excited me and so I started getting involved and one day with this small group um it was the first day of the small group and I go in and it's with two girls that I've never met before ever like don't even know their names and they sit down and they're basically like hey it's super nice to meet you like we want to get to know you like let's share our entire life stories and we're in like the dining hall at my college in the middle of the day and I was just like oh um okay and they like share their life stories and essentially just like trauma dump the shit Mm -hmm. out of me (laughs) and I was like oh my god just took on all this like super traumatic information from these two girls never met them before like didn't even know their last names and then they both like turned and looked at me and just like waited for me to speak and I was like um okay like I don't think I'm comfortable, like, sharing all of my life dramas with you right now in the middle of the dining hall. Um, But there's, like, a thing that a lot of Christians do. They're really good at, like, guilt tripping you. (laughs) And so um, I, you know, spilled my guts. And I remember leaving that day and being, like, feeling just sick to my stomach and just feeling like, oh, gosh, like, those girls know all this information about me, like, things that I struggle with, things that I'm, like, still working through, and, like, I don't even know their last names. Mm -hmm. Like, that feels really wrong to me. And the next small group, we get together, and they're like, okay, today we're gonna go share the gospel with people in the dining hall. And I was like, okay, like, cool. And they pull out this deck of cards, and they open this deck of cards, and it's this, like, game that the ministry has created, And they're like, we're going to go find a table of girls and we're going to play this card game with them. And it's a card game that basically is like supposed to like tell you what other people think about Christianity so that you can kind of like figure out what the vibe is basically before you like jump on them (laughs) and try to convert them. And so we go find this table of girls and we sit down and we start talking to them and we're like, hey, can we play this card or the other girls are. I'm just kind of sitting back, like, observing because I don't really know how to do this. And they're like, hey, can we play this card game with you? And they play this card game, ask them all these questions. And we learn, like, oh, they're Catholic. And we don't ask them their names. We don't ask them anything about their lives or, like, where they're from. We just, like, figure out they're Catholic. And then the girls are like, okay, nice to meet you. Have a great day. And we just, like, walk away. And I just remember looking back, leaving that day and looking back and being like, oh, like, those girls probably felt so used Mm -hmm. the fact that we like 
didn't ask them their names, like didn't get their numbers or mm-hmm. even pretend like we wanted to like know them as human beings and not as someone we could convert. Um, and I just like felt so sick to my stomach and so guilty. And I remember every time I'd go to the dining hall after I would like look for those girls. Um, cause I just wanted to like sit down and like have a normal conversation with them without them feeling like we were there to convert them. Yeah. And so that was the first ministry <laughs> I got involved in. After that kind of like small group experience, I was like, you know, this isn't, this isn't the vibe for me. Mm-hmm. I don't love the way that they're like doing this whole evangelism thing. It's just, it makes me feel yucky. It makes me feel like I'm using people. I kind of started doing my own form of evangelism, I guess, and started making friends with people and like getting coffee with them and asking them about their faith. And while it was all happening, I really loved it and thought I could see like how it was benefiting people. But when I look back, um, I know that like there were things that I said to these girls that were so hurtful Mm. and things that I thought were right, thought that I like needed to teach them because other people like told me they were true. And when I look back, I it's like one thing that I just feel so guilty about is teaching them things that I now like do not believe are true. And some of these girls even, I like know were hurt by things. I I know were hurt by things that I said because we had like mutual connections and they would like go to other people. What were you saying um, to people? There was this one thing that I was taught to by the organization I was a part of freshman year that like in order to be a Christian, you basically have to like give up everything else, which is something that I don't believe um like give up what like basically anything that's like sinful in the bible so it could be like sex before marriage drug use like drinking before you're 21 Mm -hmm. anything like that anything that's like considered like unholy yeah so you would be talking to these girls they would have done or doing these things and you'd be like that's Mm -hmm. a sin that's not right yeah exactly stuff like that that's just like I look back and I'm like, what, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, why, why? But it's like things that I had been taught and like drilled into my brain that I just like really thought were the truth. What was your epiphany to not feel this way anymore? Mm. Yeah, so that epiphany is going to be not summer of 2022, but summer of 2021. So like a year and a half now. Um, I got involved in another ministry after I'd kind of started feeling icky about this other one and the way that like they were just like latching onto people and then like pushing them away when they didn't give them what they wanted. I got involved in this other ministry that people had like recommended me to basically. And this is where it gets crazy. This is like the craziest, craziest cult stuff ever. I was like so scared to call this ministry a cult and I like told my therapist about it and she was like that's a cult and so now that like my therapist has said it's a cult I can be like yeah okay it is. (laughs) I got involved with this ministry and they do this thing called Kaleo every summer and it's a summer discipleship program which basically they gather up this huge group of like 400 college students and they ship them off to Florida and you live in an apartment with six other girls and, and when I did it, it was in Panama City Beach, Florida. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment with five other girls. I slept in a bunk bed that was, like, built into the wall in the hallway for eight weeks. And there were 400 of us there. And it's kind of geared towards people who aren't Christian and kind of the mission. Their goal is to, like, bring in these people that aren't Christian and put them in this, like, 
enclosed environment where you literally cannot leave and like shove the gospel down your throat Mm -hmm. and convert you and make you conform to what that ministry teaches and what that ministry believes. Why would anyone Um, who's not Christian sign up for that though? Yeah, everyone always asks that question. It's because it's advertised as a bunch of fun. And honestly, for a lot of people, it is a lot of fun. It was not fun for me, but for a lot of people it is because you spend eight weeks with your best friends. It's like they get groups of best friends. That's kind of like the thing. They're big in Greek life. And so they'll send like student ministers into like sororities and fraternities and recruit like groups of people. And so it's advertised as a bunch of fun. Like you go and you're with your best friends for eight weeks. You pay like $5,000 to be there for eight weeks and then you get a full-time job. And so people will usually be like, well, I'm going to lose money. And then they're like, no, you're going to have a full-time job. You're going to work 40 hours a week. You're going to make money. You end up spending that money on the program itself. So it's like that and it's of itself is like not even true. We literally lived on the beach. My backyard was the beach. And so that's how they get people. That's how they get people. Um, and for me, I was there for a different reason. I was there for more of like, a, oh, I want to grow in my faith. I like, I have been trying to find a ministry that I like and people have recommended this to me. And so that's why I was there. But I go to this discipleship program and immediately things just felt off to me. It just started with the fact that I was paying $5,000 to sleep in a bunk bed in a hallway. And we had a kitchen that was like, three by three feet Mm -hmm. and it was like that it's such a first world problem but when you're paying five thousand dollars of your own money to be somewhere like wanting a bathroom or like a room where you can shut the door is like something that would be really awesome to have and I remember being like frustrated that when I got there like someone had already slept in my bed and then just like left it dirty and like hadn't washed the sheets and basically I was like hey this like could someone whoever slept here, like, could they wash my sheets before I come? And I was basically told, like, no. (laughs) They're basically like, no. And even though that seems like it's, like, such a surface-level issue that, like, doesn't even have to do with Christianity, it just felt kind of weird. And we show up, and I get this job, and basically the way it works is you work 40 to 45 hours a week. I worked at a concession stand at a sports park, and in the evenings you have trainings, and they're on a variety of different biblical topics. Um, so like one night a week we did like men's and women's training. So like men would go off and talk basically anything like sexual related for men. And then women would go off and talk about like anything like sexual related for women. And then we would have trainings like, how do you share your faith? And we would have many conferences. So we did something called relationships conference where for three days we had a Christian couple come in and tell us all basically like how to have a godly relationship. Of course. So it was, it was, yeah, so it was working 40 to 45 hours a week and then having like four to six hour trainings in the evenings. Were people hooking up among the groups? Okay, um, so no, that's like one of the big rules. I mean, obviously, um, yeah, I didn't yeah, think it was going to be a yeah, like green so thing. I don't, I like, not that I know of, it's super strict, like each apartment has one to two like leaders in it um and they're leaders that have been like vetted and interviewed and like they're like diehard fans of that ministry like I get how Christian kids like who grow up really Christian would sign up for this but I feel like if you're just in a fraternity and you like yeah hooking up with people and drinking and all of this stuff like why would you go to basically a 
a sober camp where you can't have sex and you have to dive into Christianity. I'm just curious how many people come out of this, like, actually converted. Because to me, it sounds horrible. It's it's interesting. It's, It's different every year. There's usually a lot of people that come out of it converted, but there's always, like, a group of, like... 10 to 20 people that leave really traumatized. Yeah. And I just happen to be one of those people. Um, and so some people go in not Christian and leave being like, oh, I'm definitely not doing this shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely not. But it's it's more people that leave, like, diehard Christian Interesting. Christians. Okay, so yeah, then what happens for you? So it's super intense. It's a lot of work. You're exhausted all the time. And... What they tell you is I remember one day just being so physically and emotionally exhausted. I like broke down crying to my leader Mm. and she was like, Ruth, like this is just the real world. Like we're just simulating the real world for you. And I remember being like, what? The real, the real world. She was like, yeah, you have a nine to five job. Like this is the real world. And I remember going in the real world. Like when I have a nine to five job, like I'm not going to go to Bible trainings for six hours after Mm -hmm. I get off work. Just constant gaslighting. I started noticing things and hearing things that they were teaching that I didn't agree with. And I would go to my leader, who I trusted at the time, and express them. And she would just gaslight the hell out of me. The way that I describe this ministry to people is they have like a convert and conform mindset. So they bring all these college sheets together, they convert them, and then they're expected to conform to that specific ministry's beliefs. And if they don't, they're outcast, which is what happened with me. It's like really encouraged that you're be vulnerable with the girls that you're living with. And I'm like a little bit more of a reserved person. I don't want to like tell you my whole life story. The first time I meet you, this is different. This is (laughs) kind of new and exciting. But um, I like, I'm not going to tell you, you know, all the things that have happened in my life the first time I meet you. Right. And I remember one of the girls that lived with me sat me down one day and she was like, I just like want to express like some hurt that I have from you. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, like, what did I do? Like, if someone tells me they're hurt by something I did, like, the first thing I want to do is make things right. Um, And she was like, I just feel like we aren't close. Like, you don't share. Like, you don't share stuff about your life. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. And she was like, I don't know. Like, I just really want to know more about you I just feel like you don't want to open up to us and you just don't trust us and the funny part was I didn't trust them (laughs) and so it was like what are you supposed to say in that situation like it was a girl that was like three years younger than me and I'd only known her for two weeks like yeah yeah I don't trust you (laughs) like what do you want me to say but in that moment I it was similar to this other experience that I had with that other ministry I just felt so guilty I felt like I had hurt her Mm -hmm. and she was like telling me that I had hurt her and so I was like am I supposed to like tell you my whole life story? And so in that moment, I spilled my guts in like a three minute time period. And at the end she was like, wow, thanks for sharing. And I was like, I feel disgusting. Yeah, the same way you felt with those girls. Yeah, I feel so gross. I feel like you just forced information out of me that I didn't want to give you. Um, And so that was like the first big thing that happened in the two weeks that I was there that I was like, this is weird. And what's interesting is that I would have 
I maybe would have just written it off as like a her issue, like a personal thing. Mm -hmm. But in our conversation, she had told me that she had gone to our leader and like expressed her issues with me to our leader. And like that is what our leader told her she needed to do was come to me and basically ask me to share my life with her. And so I started to like really pay super close attention to the things that I was being taught in these trainings and going back to our apartment at night and like dissecting them and like messaging people that I trusted and whose like opinions I respected and being like, what do you think about this? I remember when we had relationships conference, they brought in a married couple who had been married for, you know, 20 years, had a couple of kids and it's this whole three day thing. So we spend three days of our trainings listening to talks about how to have a godly relationship and one of the first things they showed us was the baseball diamond method for dating and on the screen they blast up this picture of a baseball diamond and there's let me count one two three four five six seven maybe like nine steps on it Uh and then between each step there's like there's a name and it was like each stop was had a title and then between each stop there was like the length of time and so like the first stop was like you meet each other you're friends And then from friends and the guy, specifically the guy, going and asking wisdom on whether or not he should ask the girl on a date, that should be like a month. Uh So it's like you need to know them as friends for a month before the guy goes and considers asking her on a date. And then it's like two weeks of prayer Uh and then the guy can ask her on a date. And so then that's like the third step is asking on a date. And it was like so specific, like Uh freakishly specific. And... There's a trend in this ministry that a lot of people who are in my position now who were like involved in it and look back, we make fun of it a lot. And it's um, almost everyone that's in that ministry dates and gets married in under a nine month period. Yeah. And it's like three months and under engagement and six months of dating. We also had at one point in relationships conference, the man and wife split up and the man came and talked to the girls and the wife went and talked to the boys and the man taught us women what men look for in wives and so he was telling us like um yes like a godly man looks for this out of a godly woman and so this is what you should be in order to achieve a godly husband that was like the whole concept and the wife did the same thing with the boys what were some of the things to be a godly wife yeah one of them was you have to be leading others to faith that was Mm -hmm. the big one So the man wants to see that you're leading others to faith. Mm -hmm. He wants to see that you're involved in your local church. He wants to see that you like read your Bible every day, like pretty faith specific stuff. There's also, you know, like the big sins that you shouldn't be participating in, that kind of stuff. And I remember after that talk being like, that felt really misogynistic. And I remember like looking at my friends, I mean, like, did y'all like that? And they were all like, that was so good. And I was like, ooh, like, what? Like, why is a man telling me, like, what I need to be in order to, like, achieve a man? Like, if I am, like, a devout Christian, like, the only person that I should be listening to about, like, who I should be to be my best self is, like, God. And Mm -hmm. these people are coming in and telling me, like, no, it's, like, this earthly man's opinion. Mm -hmm. And even that in and of itself is, like, so wrong. But I remember at the end of Relationships Conference, I went to the woman that was leading me and I was like, hey, I just, like, don't agree with like this whole baseball diamond method I think that for some people this might work but they were teaching it as if it was like that way or the highway and I just like don't agree with that and she looked at me and she was like it's just 
it's it's different for everyone like anyone can do what they want to do like they don't have to use that method and I was like well but they just told us that we did and like everyone that's in this ministry has done it this way like there's not a single couple who hasn't done it this way and I was like so I'm confused why you're telling me now that I've like brought up an issue to you you're telling me that I'm right but then you're like teaching something different Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of this. There was a lot of like me bringing up issues and being told like, yeah, you know, Ruth, you're right. But then the teaching that was happening was completely different. And the like ultimatums that they gave said completely differently. There was a, another conference we did that they call missions conference and kind of same concept, but it's about overseas missions. Let me just a picture like this whole organization is like all middle upper class white people. And they have, like, a big heart for overseas missions, which, like, can do really great things, but also can be very harmful. And a lot of people have a really big white savior complex. Yeah, um, sure. And so we had this whole missions conference about overseas missions, and, like, every single person that talks to us about it is a rich white man telling yeah. us how he went to a country in Africa and conquered people, basically. And I felt so yucky. It was, it's just like a lot of feeling yucky. Gross, <laughs> um, yeah. So did yeah. you leave this whole camp and that's when you were like, okay, I need to reevaluate shit for myself? Yeah, I was questioning a lot while it was happening, questioning what I was being taught there. But when I left, I looked back and started thinking about how, even though I was taught those things specifically at that training I had also been taught them elsewhere yeah and maybe just like less of a hardcore Mm -hmm. take this and do what I say and that is kind of in the six months after is when I kind of realized like oh maybe this isn't just an issue with this ministry maybe this is an issue with this faith Um, how did your parents react to this change in you they don't know what do you mean I've never I've never talked to them about it but aren't they super Christian and isn't Christianity a big part of your family or like holidays yeah. or how you guys go about life? Yeah, it is. Um, I think this is something I've been thinking about recently, actually. I think they've started to pick up on some stuff. I currently live with my parents as I'm waiting to graduate um, just to save money. And I, I think they've started to pick up on the fact that I haven't been to church in like nine months. What um, about your siblings, your other sisters? Have you talked to them? I've talked to my older sister about it. My older sister is a lot more open-minded and a lot more like willing to hear about someone's differences or maybe like disagreements than my younger sisters are. So I've talked to my older sister, but yeah, I think that there's like some stuff that they my parents have picked up on, but do, you, never... do, do your parents or are your sisters, do they follow those beliefs of no sex till marriage, no drinking, you know, like that hardcore? Yeah, there's some stuff that they're like a little bit looser on. Drinking is a little bit looser. But yeah, we, yeah, I did the whole purity ring thing when I was 13. Wow. Um, yeah, it was like, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing that my each one of my sisters did there's this book called passport to purity and it's a literal um it looks like a passport and you open it up and you like stamp it it's like stamps and it was like what a are you weekend. stamping it's just like learning about different things that like the bible oh teaches. and as you learn them you're stamping them you like get a stamp yeah 
has, where does like sexuality play into all of this too? Because I know that growing up really Christian, you know, people are usually taught to not be gay. Yeah. And as someone who has a girlfriend of three years, like, I gotta yeah. wonder. There were kids at this camp who are gay and... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That has always my whole life been a really tough one for me. And I didn't realize that it was tough for me to wrap my head around until recently. By the way, you're not going to say anything that offends. Like, I want you to be completely honest with your views. Yeah, you're good. I grew up in the theater community, which is... A lot of gays. um, Super gay. Yes. And, like, literally... (laughs) Very incestual, too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's, like, a whole other thing I could share about. But... um, That's any theater community, though. But, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But since I was, like, literally in middle school, have had gay best friends. That's always been a thing. And for a really long time, I, like, believed what I was taught, the Bible said about it, which is, like, not being gay as a sin, but, like, practicing it is. Totally. Um, I, that was, like, just a thing I believed. But also, like, in the same realm of what I said earlier about how, like, I said I believed that, but I wasn't owning, I wasn't really, like, owning it. Yeah. I just, like constantly had people around me that were like so hurt by Christians and that belief and it was really hard for me to understand it was hard for me to understand how like I said that I believed that but I was like but I love these friends like yeah I love them I cherish them and so it was just it's a hard thing to wrap your head around and so I've I've been questioning that for a lot longer than probably anything else um also, like, abortion, that's a pretty hot topic thing that yeah. I've also been questioning for a while. Um, but, yeah, I think probably since coming late high school, early college, my views on that have pretty shift, very, very shifted. On um, both of those or just abortion? Oh, yeah, both of those. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So Do you think if your parents knew you were at, where you were at with both of those, they'd be pretty shocked? They know where I'm at about abortion. We got in a fight about it recently, actually. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I was uh, I was pretty bold. My sister, one of my sisters, is loves politics, and I'm she's wicked smart, like very knowledgeable mm-hmm. about politics. I don't know how she does what she does and takes in all that information without having a panic attack. But mm-hmm. I like love that she's really passionate about it. But we're on opposite ends yeah <laughs> so she said something in the in a family group chat and I kind of snapped back and it might have turned into a yeah a screaming match <laughs> but yeah. um yeah. was she Maybe younger than you young. yes yeah she's yeah. a sophomore in college yeah I mean I don't want to assume anything but when you were saying that you went through something really hard freshman year and everything mm-hmm you know, when you go to college and you have experiences that you just don't have or unfortunate ones that you don't have in the bubble that we all grow up in, um, how can it not change your views yeah. on things? When, again, I may, I don't want to make, I can cut all this, but like the, I'm making yeah. an assumption here, but I know for myself, I said things and did things and until I was seeing it happen to people I love or until it was mm-hmm. me, yeah, then you fucking change how you feel. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. For sure. So I think I said that because it's like your younger sister, too. It's like, all right, take a beat. Yeah. You haven't yeah. gone through enough shit. And like, yes. see, it's easy to point <laughs> fingers until you're the one, mm-hmm. you know. 
dealing with stuff. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else that you want to say? I don't know. I think I think one big thing that was super impactful for me being involved in this like discipleship program that I would love to say is when I left that program and had been, you know, like approaching leadership the whole time, just like questioning things that were being taught, um, I was dropped by everyone that I went to that program with. And I knew a lot about them in that eight weeks. Like we really got to know each other. Um, And I just remember leaving and feeling so heartbroken that all of these people that had like called me their best friend for eight weeks had dropped me. Well, you've Um, had almost the same trauma twice. Yeah. Yeah. In the Christian faith, you've (laughs) had extreme abandonment, which Uh is always the thing that I find most ironic about like devout Christians, you know, being like, you know, the fellow, the... Mm-hmm. fellowship not fellowships but like oh the mission trips like going overseas saving yeah, people yeah. you know we'll show up at any hard time like lean on us and then but the second you do something to cross them they're out mm-hmm. yeah i don't understand that i don't i either. don't understand that <laughs> I don't either. like shunned too it's like the amish but yeah, very much so but you know in the two abandonment stories what you were trying to find beyond faith, though, is just community. Mm-hmm. Have you just thought about finding community outside of religion for a little bit and then letting yourself find, you know, spirituality or religion or going religious hopping yeah. and going to a synagogue and going to a Buddhist temple? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just explore, but join a club that's not religious. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the step that I'm working on right now. Cool. Um, it's hard when it's been drilled into your brain for so long that, like, the only community you should have is Christian yeah, community. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, that is really hard. It's, like, for devout Christians, you're, like, looked down upon if you have close friends that aren't Christian. It's always kind of said, like, you sh- they're, like, you should have friends that aren't Christian, but so you can convert them, wink, wink. It's, like, you can't just, like have non-Christian friends um, and close friends. I'm at a point right now where I have a group of girls who I'm in a, we're in very similar stages. They are even like probably farther along than I am. Um, And that has been really healing to Mm. be able to just talk to someone that understands you. Totally. Who comes from the same place. Are Um, you scared to tell your parents where you're at? Yes. Yeah. What's the fear that they would say get out of the house or um I know that they wouldn't. I think it's fear of more fear of them being disappointed in me. Um that's kind of the biggest one. Yeah. I know that they they I love them. Like they are yeah. have given me some of the best advice ever in my life. Um I obviously, like I said, have been realizing that, like, they may not have always been right in things mm-hmm. that I'd been taught, but I still really love them and respect them. And I know that they wouldn't kick me out. Like, that's not who they are at all. But I know that behind closed doors, there's going to be talk about me. And I know that behind closed doors, there's going to be lots of disappointment. Um, but aren't you also disappointed in them or angry at them a little bit for... Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can be mutual. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, true. And love, love can very much fully be. I'm just saying that because, yeah. you know, in going through hard stuff in my own family, it's like I used to do exactly what you just did, and there's nothing wrong with it, and I still do it in a lot mm-hmm. of sense. But, like, 
justify the really good things to paint, you know, to be like, but all of this is really good, even though Mm. this thing was hard. And I found, like, it's okay to have all of that be true. All of it can be true. They can be the best parents in the world and so loving and show up for you every single day, but have not, you know, given you the opportunity to see all aspects of religion. Yeah, that's true. I had never thought of it from that viewpoint. But now that you say that, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're totally right. Yeah. So I end this podcast by asking people their favorite restaurants. You are anonymous, but do you want You've mentioned Houston and Austin. So I feel like if you're comfortable, you know, give us the best spot to go somewhere in Texas. I've lived most of my like rememberable adult life in Austin. So Mm -hmm. I'll give you an Austin restaurant. Great. Um, My favorite restaurant here is called Little Deli and it's a deli and pizzeria. Great. Best atmosphere, dog friendly. Love it. Kid friendly. Love it. It's really great. So that's my rec. And what do you get there? Um, I always get a Greek salad and a sub or a slice of pepperoni pizza. Perfect. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and follow the podcast wherever it is you listen to it so that we can bring you more unexpected stories by ordinary people. And if you didn't like the episode, forget what I just said and just please don't tell anyone.